Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a friend of mine who would never accuse me of killing his dad and then donning a costume of his dead father and then trying to kill me, my non-psychotic friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm doing wonderful today, uh, actually. And, you know, what's the most funny part, James B.? Sometimes you write things in that you're going to say in this show, and sometimes I don't know what you're going to say. And either way, I, I never really, I don't pay attention to it. So, uh, you know, am I psychotic? I, I, I guess not. Yeah, well, I mean, Peter Parker has a friend who sort of, you know, <laughs> kind of loses his mind and tries to kill him for some reasons that are probably not completely justified. That's in the second book we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, the first book we're going to talk about today is uh, Giant Size Spider-Man 1. Because, Eddie, it takes place after Amazing Spider-Man 133 and before 134. And then we will go back to the one I'm discussing, which is Amazing Spider-Man 136. But, you know... One thing I noticed today is we do have a guest, and it is the guest, I believe, that has had the longest hiatus between episodes. That's right, James B. Today, after a six-month absence, we are rejoined by Chris Ewing. We are indifferent to have you join us. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's going pretty well. Um, In the uh, gap between episodes, my wife and I had a baby, uh, a little girl named Penelope. And uh, it was a lot easier to be sleep-deprived when I was younger. Well, congratulations. Uh, Is there anything in the world of Spider-Man or Marvel that you've uh, noted in the last six months? Well, I got to say, I'm really enjoying the new Marvel content we're seeing on Disney+. And there's Star Wars stuff coming out. And there's Star Trek things coming out. So it's a great time to be a geek. Ooh. All good stuff. Well, super excited to have you. Um, I'm, I'm going to try something new and go right into our book here. But I was uh, sitting over my young daughter, Violet's shoulder, watching her basically just kind of flip the pages. And I thought, I'm not going to read any words in this book like she likes to. And I'm just going to look at the pictures. So uh, we'll give it a try. From July of 1974, Giant Size Spider-Man. And Dracula in Ship of Fiends, written by Lynn Ween, art by Ross Andrew, inked by Don Heck. There's a criminal Spidey tries to stop. Aunt May is sick. Johnny Storm gives Spider-Man a rocket to fly to a boat. Dracula is on the boat, and bullets pass through him when he's shot. On the boat, a Valkyrie, a medieval squire, team up with some real-life toy soldiers to search the boat for Dracula and Spider-Man. Someone impersonates Spider-Man. Spidey knocks out a bunch of toy soldiers. Dracula's at a sexy Roman-era party on the boat. Uh, Looks like Dracula hypnotizes a toy soldier at some point. A a cigar-smoking baddie tries to stab Dracula. He laughs. (laughs) Dracula chucks the squire overboard, but Spidey saves him. Spidey beats up a toy soldier. Spidey grabs the Valkyrie, webs into a helicopter, and flies away from the boat. Dracula goes to take a nap. And that's that's my pictorial analysis of this this Spider-Man, gentlemen. Uh, I maybe read like 20 words in this book. So what I'm going to do, it's the same thing Violet likes to do to me, ask you a few questions about it, since, you know, she doesn't like to read the words necessarily. Um, uh, James B., why doesn't Johnny Storm go with Spidey on the boat? It looks like a big party he would really like. Yeah, so in the beginning of the book, you know, in your pictorial analysis, um, <laughs> there, there's a there's something, you know, you didn't really miss. You skipped the 
entire like six pages where Spider-Man goes to stop a crime. And uh-huh. while he's stopping the crime, he realizes that there's like another another conflict going on there. There's some like ice on the floor and he slips on it and the criminal gets away. So he tells oh. Johnny Storm to go take care of that problem while he's going to go get the medicine he needs to save Aunt May's life. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Chris, I know Dracula's on the cover here, and then he's on this boat doing a lot of things. Why is Dracula on this boat? In this Eddie, issue? that's an excellent question that I'm not quite <laughs> sure I know the answer to. After reading the issue, he's there to get some doctor who's doing the cure for the virus, but there's no real explanation to, like, why Dracula's there. And I was left going, why is Dracula a Marvel character now at this point? You've got other Marvel vampire villain people to pull in Blade or some Blade person or Morbius, but Dracula? I don't know. Seems kind of weird to me. (laughs) Glad you could clear that up for me, Chris. Uh, I got another one. James B. On the boat, there's lots of people in funky costumes. Is this their normal wear or is something going on? There's a costume party going on. (laughs) All right. Thank you, James B. All right. Here's my last one for you, Chris. Dracula and Spider-Man are the cover of this book, but I don't think I saw them fighting at all. Did I miss a fight? They don't fight at all, but Peter (laughs) does give him a somewhat aggressive shoulder bump as Peter Parker (laughs) when they're walking on the boat near each other. Wow. And that is the extent of of Dracula and Spider-Man's interactions. Okay, well, since I, you know, didn't read this book, why don't you guys uh, help me out here and tell me anything else I might have missed? Chris, how about I go through a little bit of a summary and then you can highlight anything that you thought might be particularly more important? Sure. All right, and I apologize, listeners, (laughs) that um, Eddie chose not to actually do a summary and you have to hear a second summary for a giant-sized book. Uh, Yeah, there's a a jewelry store being broken into... (laughs) Spider-Man swings inside. He sees another criminal. He says, okay, I got to get back to see my aunt. Aunt May's sick. Of course, there's like, oh, the medicine we're looking for because there's this flu epidemic going on. It mentions in the newspaper, like there's this big Uh epidemic going on. And they're like, well, because she's an old lady, she's more at risk. Anyway, so the medicine is on this boat only because the person who created the medicine, um, there's some doctor named AJ Maxell or something like that. Uh, This doctor doesn't like to fly. So Spider-Man says, hey, if I need to travel around the world quickly, I'll go to the Fantastic Four. That's what I always do. He swings in. He says, hey, let me have your, uh, let me have your rocket. And, and Human Torch is like, no problem. I have this rocket that I can literally program to fly exactly where you want it without you touching the controls. It will drop you off, and then you can get back on it. It will fly back to me. So, you know those types of rockets, these things. And it goes, like, super fast. It's there in, like... 15 minutes, it goes, you know, thousands of miles, and it's right where he needs it to be. He gets off the rocket, and Dracula's there because Dracula knows that this uh, vaccine is out there, too, and the vaccine is going to screw up his plans to, like, take over the world or, you know, it's going to kill all vampires. So he's trying to take out the person, too. As uh, Chris mentioned, uh, Peter gives him a shove because he's in Peter Parker clothing, you know, because he's doing these, like, I'm going to disguise myself as Peter Parker. Meanwhile, Eddie... The Magia is here, and they're Whoa. trying to steal the formula. And they're dressed up like toy soldiers except for one guy. Okay, uh, Dracula runs into the, uh, as you said, the Valkyrie and this other uh, medieval character. Um, they take a picture. And- 
and then there's no vampire in the photos because that's a gimmick. And then Dracula goes around, and with the exception of one woman who who survives, he goes around and he just literally kills the Magia characters. Like, kills them dead. Like, sucks their blood and leaves the bodies on the floor. He's just killing people, which you don't see a lot in these comic books. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of people fighting. They're all trying to find this doctor, but they get confused on the boat because they confuse the ship's doctor as the doctor who created the cure. Uh. And then the big twist at the end is that the doctor that created the cure is actually the girl. It's the Valkyrie of sorts that you mentioned in your description. She is the famous AJ you know, Maxell or whatever her name is. And, and then she kind of does one of those reveals. It's like, you know, oh, you didn't think that Alice Joyce Maxfield could be a woman? And then Spider-Man's at this time in Spider-Man costume. He's like, look, I really need to get this formula there. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to fly. But since you need this to save someone's life, sure, let's go. And then um, Dracula thinks he's killed the doctor because he, like, threw him overboard. But that particular person he was trying to kill was the wrong doctor, and Spider-Man saved him anyway. So after Dracula thinks he did what he did, all the Magia people are basically dead. He flies away thinking he's done it. So it's Spider-Man's teaming up with Dracula because they're both eliminating the Magia accidentally. You know, they're fighting the same villain with completely different purposes. So, Chris, I don't know if there's anything else in there that you uh, thought of or commented on or... I just, I guess part of it is this rocket aircraft just, you know, it's brand new. Reed Richards just made it. And it's yeah. like, sure, Spidey, take this thing and fly there. And it rockets over to the ship. No one hears it fly up. And then it hovers in the air and yes. has this like cloaking device cloud thing around it. And no one questions a cloud floating along with the ship. I just, it seems like a weird plot device. That, and I will say, the reveal of the Doctor, that was worthy of a recent, you know, Shyamalan film right there, that kind of plot <laughs> twist. You know, so. Um, but yeah, I personally didn't really enjoy this issue because I wasn't really sure we needed Dracula or Spidey on a boat. But um, I, I think it's just you know how can we who can we team up with to make some money, big names, and Dracula was available. Chris, did you think that that rocket ship could handle two people? It looked like a one seater to me. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, I, I guess I just figure that it's a Fantastic Four vehicle, so they're going to build it to fit at least half the crew, if not all four of them. Fair, fair. All right, well, that's what happens there. Eddie, I know that you uh, didn't really do a lot of work on that one. Are you trying to tell me, James B., that our podcast about reading Spider-Man and talking to listeners um, shouldn't have just pictorial analysis? Is that what you're trying to say? You know, we appreciate the... (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. um... (laughs) Well... I hope I don't have to refund the sponsor after they hear this, but we lost I, a lot of listeners in that first half. I, I, I do have a I do have a quick sponsor I'm gonna squeeze in here. Okay. Um Eddie, you may recall from our previous sponsor that Uber Bellhops are with you for your local shopping needs, but now Uber has taken it to the next level. Uber has purchased the rights to an experimental, hardly used one man jet designed by reed richards with this new technology uber can deliver packages worldwide wait for it and as little as 15 minutes now why pay 200 for ups next day when after a small annual subscription fee you can pay 500 shipping but you can get uber air same day service hey do you want a hamburger from hamburg 
Hey, you can get it with Uber same-day service. How about French fries from France? No problem. How about Scotch tape from Scotland? That's right, you can get it in under an hour. So Eddie, are you ready to sign up for the Uber Air subscription service? So these, just to understand correctly, these rockets are flying like intercontinentally to deliver French fries to me? That's that's, that's what you want? It's the fact is not just from France though. And there's no kind of pricing guide in this sponsor. There's a subscription fee for the annual fee, kind of like Amazon Prime. It's a subscription fee. And then you pay the $500 plus the item. So, you know, if the fries were like five bucks, you pay like 505 that day. Wow. Well, you know, that sounds a little pricey for my taste. Do you, I, I mean, we're talking competitors here and we don't like to do that that often. Do you use like, do you have Amazon Prime? Uh, yeah, I think we do. Yeah, we do. Do you ever say to yourself, oh, man, I really need some pencils. And you're like, ah, I need some pencils. And you're like, we have, I'll order them. But it says, you know, next day or two day shipping. And you're like, ah, you know, and you're like, I could use it right. I need it right now. I'm like, my daughter's trying to write her, you know, it's she's trying like- to write her pictorial version of what she just read about in the her own version of Dracula and Spider-Man. And you're like, I really wish she had some pencils. So I like... Straight from the Ticonderoga factory in upstate New York. I'd have pencils, like, you know, within an hour. There you go. And and I hope your children are worth for, it. For only $500. Chris, could you help explain why? <laughs> no, that's that's $500 plus the pencils plus oh. the annual subscription fee. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chris, could you explain why this would be valuable? Um, sure. I mean, as a person who has Prime, who doesn't have times when you think, I want it right now? I mean, although on my teacher's salary, I'm not really sure I could afford the uh, $500 fee. But knowing that I could get scotch from Scotland when I want it, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, there you go. By the way, everyone keeps forgetting there is also an annual subscription fee, which, you know, (laughs) like your flat rate that you have to pay just to be a a member. You know, James B., next time we make a billion dollars off this podcast, I'll be right there. But for now... I'm passing on the uh, intercontinental rocket ships flying all over the place. So So Eddie is, for the second time today, Eddie's basically saying no (laughs) to something. The first time being we asked him to actually read the first book. (laughs) So, Uh, uh, Well, you know, I got good news for you, James B. And what's that? I did read the next book. (laughs) Okay. Why don't you tell me? Help me out. What is it, James B.? Well, the second book, from September of 1974, The Amazing Spider-Man 136, The Green Goblin Lives Again. Written by Jerry Conway, drawn by Ross Andrew, and inked by Frank Yakoya and Dave Hunt. Uh, Peter is out enjoying an ice cream cone with his good friend MJ. Right away here, James B. Peter and MJ are just friends? Um, you know... They're actually dating. It says it at the end of page two. And let me be clear, they never started dating. Okay, no one ever starts dating or breaks up in these um, old Amazing Spider-Man issues. They're just like in a state of dating or not dating in these books. It makes me crazy. The fact that they're dating, though, I was tempted to put some music behind this, as like I sometimes do, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to play the Gwen, you know, Peter romance music, Eddie. Oh. It's it's just too soon after, you know, Gwen and reading about the Green Goblin has also brought up these sad feelings. I, I need more time. I probably just need to go find a different love song. 
<laughs> All right, James V. Um, well, I hope this doesn't upset you, but the pair head back to Peter's place, and as MJ turns the key, a bomb explodes. MJ is okay, but goes to the hospital while Peter wonders if the Green Goblin has returned to, in his words, kill another girl who's close to me. He changes and swings off to the last known hideout of the Green Goblin. There he waits, in a nicely made web hammock. Wow. Um, hey, Chris, this 136, this is considered a key issue of sorts. Um, I know you weren't a big fan of the Giant Size Spider-Man 1. What do you think of this story so far? So I like the way this, is, this issue is uh, starting off. Um, I want to just go back for a quick second, though, to the yeah. part where Peter and MJ are walking along. And she kind of drops the, like, 70s version of, do you want to Netflix and chill? When she's like, <laughs> your place or mine. Um, she also throws a little line there about, you know, male chauvinists and how she can open the door herself. And that's what sets the bomb off, which is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Also, a brief mention of her and Harry dating before, and that might be causing problems for Pete and Harry. And I don't know. I'm enjoying the, the kind of tension there between what's going on in the background sure. about the characters. James B., why didn't Peter, though, inform the police of the location of, like, the, the goblin's lair. He knows this criminal mastermind's location. Why not tell the police about it? Um, you've, you know, you were reading the issues with us before, and you have very general knowledge. I think one thing you might not know, and I don't if you know this, I apologize, but after Norman Osborn died, the costume was sort of, like, grabbed up right away. So the police don't know that the Green Goblin is dead. Now, that doesn't mean that Peter couldn't have phoned it and said, hey, by the way, I think the Green Goblin's headquarters is here. You should go raid it and get the stuff out of there. But I think Spider-Man was probably thinking, hey, the Green Goblin's gone. The costume's gone. I don't need to get Norman Osborn all swept up in this whole mess. Maybe I'll just let it go. That's kind of all I could think about. Um, and like I said, you haven't been reading the books as you know much as we have. Uh, the last time you were reading it, Stan Lee was the writer. Did, any opinions on the writing style of this book? You know, I, I feel it, it kind of got that similar vibe to it, but I'm enjoying the way it's written. I think that it's a, it's approachable. I think if Eddie actually reads this issue, he can follow along with the words, and uh, it's it's good. Are there any particular lines that you caught your eye or anything, or just, just a general? Yeah, it's after he's in his web hammock, and he's laying there waiting for something to appear. Um, Spidey, the, the, the line in the book says, until as the moon approaches its zenith over the grubby streets of Manhattan. I think that's a pretty good bit of wordsmithing right there. Cool, cool. Well, with a sparoom, the Green Goblin comes roaring into the room and a battle ensues. Spidey pulls some punches to his own detriment because he is gassed by the Goblin and misses a potentially fatal zapping. The Goblin runs out of ammo and flies off as Spidey stumbles to catch him. As he flies, the goblin utters the line, I'll destroy you utterly, whether it be physically by killing you or spiritually by revealing your precious secret identity. Hey, Chris, what surprises you more in this book? Is it that the goblin flies away because he's out of ammo as opposed to staying around and fighting still? Or Harry being able to just sort of step right into his dad's role physically and mentally. He's had some time to prepare for this, but he seems to be not missing a beat. Both both things threw me off. I think I was surprised that because he couldn't fire his sparkle beam out of his uh, out of his glove, he had no other weapons to choose from, and he's like, "I'm gonna fly away, then and leave you here to fight you some other day." But what surprised me even more 
was when Peter finds all the dust in the abandoned mm. lair. He decides, I'm just going to lick the dust off the floor and taste it to determine what's going on. And, like, I don't know I don't know what dust tastes like necessarily, but apparently Peter Parker does. So Yeah, that was crazy that, that he he's like, oh, nothing's been disturbed in this room because there's a layer of dust. And he's like, wait a second, maybe it's fake dust. And then he licked it and he's like, oh, this is like uh, flakes from like laundry detergent or something, that which is what you know, the guild of filmmakers would use. And I, you know, with my two movies I've been on, I know all these tricks, of course. And haha, now he knows something's up. Like that was just, that was crazy. That was a better one. Good, good job picking up on that. Eddie, why don't you wrap up this story for us? That is a bizarre thing for him to do. I must agree. In a postscript, we see Peter fired by J. Jonah for asking for a week off. Peter proclaims he's going it alone from here and stomps off. Eddie, was it obvious that Spider-Man should have recognized the Goblin as Harry Osborn? So, as we kind of talked about earlier, you would really kind of have to know that the Goblin died, but his outfit was taken by a mysterious character. And although we've had a lot of buildup that Harry is going to be the Green Goblin, he's figuring out that Spider-Man is Spider-Man, I I still, like, if I was Spider-Man, okay, and I don't... James, but you can help me here. I don't think Spider-Man has figured out that Harry is like dead set on becoming the Goblin. I know they've been had a very cold relationship and he's not paying the rent anymore, but this really could be attributed to his father's death. And because it happens so often, I mean, we didn't talk about it in the giant size. Somebody had a Spider-Man outfit on in that, you know, book. I thought this this could be someone else, not Harry Osborn in the Green Goblin costume. And anybody else gets that vibe? I thought there was a section in there where he actually said, like, said Harry's name out loud to him. Yes. I know he's thinking it. So I mean, if the person in the costume isn't Harry, we know he knows that Spider Man thinks he's someone named Harry. Yeah, I think it was strange that Peter's like, "Oh, that must be Harry." And if that's the case, if he knows it's Harry, all of a sudden, why didn't he deal with this when he's, like, living with him? Why does he wait till I'm going to fight you in the Green Goblin costume? Why didn't he be like, uh-oh, he's the Goblin. I'll go. I guess he didn't think anyone was the Goblin. And then when he realized, wait a second, someone's been here, he like, realized it has to be Harry. That's all. Honestly, I thought there was a very good possibility that this was Norman Osborn. And that somehow, you know, we did see the dead Norman Osborn Goblin. But we know in Spider-Man, you know... Things can happen. People can just come back occasionally. Except for Uncle and, Ben. Yeah, except for Uncle poor Uncle Ben. And you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have ruled out the possibility that this was like Norman Osborne um here. Chris, um what else did you have from this book or the other book that we didn't get to cover in your your own notes? I know you I know one of us took some notes and one of us didn't read the book. So what did you uh what you have? Well, going back to the giant sized uh issue there, um I was kind of confused when Spidey was fighting this like jewel thief in a jewelry store and there's like he's slipping and he's falling and he can't get his webbing right <laughs> but kind of just then like ignored it. I mean maybe it's covered yeah, in a future issue but It is. It's going to be covered it's it's going to be covered in our next podcast. There's It a, was just surprising to me that they kind of just like dropped it and didn't kind of Yeah, they're going to do us dirty on that because you know Marvel team up if you recall is basically Spider-Man's other book at this time. And there's like about 150 issues, and Spider-Man's in 140 of them. So Marvel Team of 23 is coming up next week with us. And 
he's not actually in it. It's the Human Torch in the book. So they're like, oh. hey, you want to see what happens? Go read Marvel Team Up 23, which is happening, like, you know, at the same time as this issue. So you can be like, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens there. But it's the Human Torch fighting the the, the villain. I believe his name is the Equinox. Criminal. He's an ice-themed villain. He's like an ice man, sort of. So that's what that, that was just another, another shameless setup. Um, I have one I can jump in with here. And then, Chris, if you have some more, please do. But... I didn't think Peter was fired. I believe the line was sort of like, I ask him for a leave of absence and he tells me, if I want a week off, I'm fired. Well, he can't fire me, I quit. I don't think he was really fired. I think he was just saying, like, yeah. if you leave here, you know, you're, you're going to be fired. You can't have a week off. I don't think he just fired him. So, uh, But we'll find out, you know, next book. Chris, do you know anything about Dracula? Um, I know he's based on, you know, Vlad the Impaler from, like, Romanian history. Ooh, tell me a little bit more. Um, uh, there was a guy known as Vlad the Impaler in Romanian history. Excellent. Sorry, that's that's about all I know. That's... <laughs> that, that was sorry about that. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how no, far you could go with that. Are we glad to see Dracula instead of Morbius here? Is that okay for everyone? I I I don't get the inclusion of Dracula. I really don't get it. Like, I just. It's a fictional character made by somebody else. I don't get why Marvel's got to jump on. I realize that Dracula appeared in earlier issues of other comics, so he's part of the Marvel, you know, canon. But um, I don't see the point. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? So I was going back to the start of this issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Peter and MJ—they're out on a date on a Sunday in New York City. They watch a movie, out in the theater. They take a boat to the Statue of Liberty. They ride a carriage around Central Park, and they got ice cream. I thought Peter was like a Penniless photographer. How do you manage to pay for all that stuff? Eddie, you got this one. Wow. Excellent question. I mean, and he's paying for rent now because Harry has been paying the rent the last two months. I guess uh, big paydays on the Spider-Mobile. Is that what happened? Chris may not be aware that there was a Spider-Mobile. Yeah, sounds good. Let's, uh, Chris, I know you're not a big Twitter person. Uh, I don't know if you prefer Instagram or Facebook, but if somebody wanted to reach out to you and give you some information about Vlad the Impaler, how could they find you? They could find me at Tofewing, T-O-P-H-E-W-I-N-G, on Twitter. Eddie, how could people reach out and talk to us about uh, Chris? Well, you could email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com, or you could find us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. Let me know, you know, if you like my new pictorial format, since these guys enjoyed it so much. I'm James B., joined by... Eddie! And... Chris! And remember, listeners... If you're ever stuck on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean, facing Magia thugs, you better hope Dracula's there with you to kill them all off. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, how much do you think the uh, the sponsor probably charges for their uh, annual uh, fee? <laughs> for the rights that... to immediately call for $500, any item you want delivered to your house immediately from anywhere in the world. Listen, I'm being very serious here. This is, I'm being, I'm not making a joke. To get anything you want delivered immediately, not a person. Go ahead, you go first, Chris. Okay, what would the subscription fee, do you think, be if they said like, yeah, $500 plus... An annual fee. Anything you want from anywhere immediately delivered. Think that you're a rich person. What's it going to cost? I'm thinking it's a $10,000 annual fee. Okay. Wow. I, I don't oh, think that's so far-fetched. Okay. Do you think higher or lower? 
I I think put another zero on that number. <laughs> oh, you think it's that's too low? Okay. I think it's a hundred thousand dollar annual fee. Anything I want immediately in the world? I mean, yeah. well, yep, yeah, yeah. You see, you think it's like it's because otherwise people would just yep. be getting whatever they want whenever they want for five hundred bucks here, five hundred bucks there. Well, rich I, people I could do think, this, right? If you're if you're yeah. Aaron, you're Aaron Rodgers and you have a twenty five million dollar a year contract and you're just like, hey, I want, you know, some. You know, German Malaysian. chocolate cake from Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. No biggie for them. I, I think Chris, this I happens thought, all the time, 10, actually. I thought 10 grand, too, but then, you know, rich people get to really screw up the curve, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. They're going to ruin it for all of us common folk. Uh, yeah. I mean, 10 grand, like, that's that's not totally out of re- Like, I could actually live my life with that that's description. True. <laughs> Right, it would be not easy paying for my rocket subscription, but but you you could budget and say I'm spending twenty thousand dollars a year, I'm going to pay ten thousand for the prescri- for the subscription, and then I'm going to pay another twenty times a year. I can get whatever I yeah. want delivered to me immediately. Ah, uh, uh, yes, James, I'm podcasting with my warm tea from the Bengali Highlands that just flew in. Right, <laughs> exactly. Forty four minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be like, oh, what'd you say? The new Spider-Man movie just dropped in Japan. I'll take a bootleg, please, delivered to my house. (laughs)